As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Relief line of soft gels. Plus CBD Relief is the ideal way to help promote a healthy inflammatory response. Plus CBD Relief is doctor-formulated with recovery-supporting ingredients, including CBD, CBDA, and Levagen plus PEA. Relief soft gels help address minor everyday soreness, support joint function, and encourage recovery following strenuous activity. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's Relief Soft Gels. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. We're talking about eye health with integrative ophthalmologist Dr. Rudranik Bannock. She has a practice here in Manhattan. She is active on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, has a website at uh, Rudrani Bannock, MD, or Dr. Rudrani Bannock? Mm-hmm. MD.com. MD.com. Uh, so, um, in the news these days, uh, civil disturbances, and I believe it was your medical society, uh, the uh, whatever ophthalmologist association who just uh, issued uh, a timely warning about the hazards of rubber bullets who'd have thunk that uh, would become an issue but uh, here it is uh, have you been following that controversy yes so uh, so yes the American Academy of Ophthalmology or AAO uh, has issued a statement about you know not not encouraging lawmakers to pass uh, regulations about the use of rubber bullets. So there have been, you know, in the past few weeks, uh, you know, after the protests and so forth, um, quite a few eye injuries linked to uh, the use of rubber bullets. So what can happen is, you know, the rubber bullet is a very um, high-velocity projectile. And even though the outside may be rubber, there are usually metal casings inside the bullet. And, you know, if it hits the eye or eye socket, it can cause a tremendous amount of damage. Mm-hmm. And there have been at least over 20 reports across the country of people losing their eye, losing their vision, or rupturing their globe, which is a really an emergency. All of these are emergencies, obviously, but um, it's a surgical emergency uh, uh, due to rubber bullets. So, uh, you know, really a, a very... Um, an important message that the AAO, AAO and all ophthalmologists want to get out there is really uh, for for law enforcement to stop using these rubber bullets because they are not benign mm-hmm. at all. So. I mean, the, the idea is that they, they mitigate the damage, they're a deterrent, they don't cause penetrating injuries, but boy, when, you know, they're high-velocity projectiles, and when they hit uh, a delicate surface of the body, you know, maybe if they hit you on the on the gluteus maximus, uh, it's going to sting. But if it hits your eye, it can actually uh, destroy your vision for the rest of your life. Yes, and I think uh, there was recently a visit to uh, Washington, D.C., where they were trying to encourage lawmakers to, to pass some regulations. And, and the other, the other um, uh, you know, uh, other things that are used to kind of uh, 
manage the protests, for example, tear gas and mm-hmm. pepper spray. I mean, all of these can potentially have an mm-hmm. impact on our eyes, you know, chemical toxicity and so mm-hmm. forth. So uh, not all of them are benign. I understand that they are important and necessary to help manage crowds when they get out of control. But, you know, we always have to consider our entire health and, and the, the impact that some of these, um, uh, you know, may have on our, on our vision. So... So another consequence of uh, the pandemic is that uh, we're experiencing a lockdown. Uh, there are stay-at-home orders. Of course, lots of them are now being lifted, fortunately. But uh, are, are, I've heard that there's a relationship between uh, indoor time uh, and uh, close vision tasks and the risk of developing nearsightedness uh, for kids. Is it important for kids to get out, run around, look at horizons and you know, greenery to uh, make sure that their eyes develop normally? Yes. yes. And, uh, um, you know, it, it is something that, that is being researched. So uh, I would just like to start off by explaining that myopia, which is nearsightedness, is truly becoming an epidemic um, mm-hmm. in certain parts of the world, and mainly in Asia, but also in the U.S more and more kids are becoming myopic, uh, meaning they, they can see up close, but they can't see so far, so well far away, and they end up having to wear glasses for distance. And we think that the reason why this epidemic is happening is because when we stay focused for extended periods of time, either on our, you know, at up close reading a book or on a screen or on our phones, our eye muscles constantly have to do a process called accommodation. And this is a, you know, it's, it's a, there's tiny muscles inside the eyes that are responsible for accommodation. When we accommodate for long periods of time, it causes a change in the shape of the eye. It causes a lengthening of the, of the, uh, the eyeball itself. So a physiologic change, physical change also. And, um, and this leads to myopia. And so there are some studies in, um, out of Asia, mainly Singapore and Taiwan, which have looked at, you know, these increasing epidemic rates of myopia, and have kind of, kind of tried to look at the factors. So they found that when children spend more time outdoors, at least two hours a day outdoors, they have less rates of progression of myopia mm-hmm. than those who spend more time indoors. And so, uh, you know, there is kind of a critical period of eye development, usually up until one's early 20s or so, uh, after which the eye really doesn't change shape too much. But during that period, it really is important to get kids outside. And I know even some schools have implemented, you know, they they make sure that children are getting their outdoor time. Even when the weather may be inclement, they, kids do need to have some sunlight exposure. And we don't know yet what the sunlight factor really has to do with it. We think that it may have to be something to do with UV light, UV exposure, preventing myopia. Uh, but, of course, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see what the research ends up showing in terms of, you know, some of the other, there are some other um, treatments on the horizon, uh, which are somewhat becoming standard of care, which is, you know, if there is progression of myopia um, and there is a lot of near work near, you know, whether on a device or, or reading and so forth, that drops may be helpful to prevent progression of myopia. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the outdoor uh, issue is, is something that we can all easily implement um, uh, for our younger generation. So Well, only now important. is that uh, reemerging as a possibility. Unfortunately, for a lot of kids, there was sort of uh, an enforced uh, stay-at-home edict and uh, they may have been deprived of the opportunity to get out there. Uh, so we'll see. You know, hopefully there aren't uh, unintended consequences of our current um, uh, strategy for containing 
COVID-19. What about checkups? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people are reluctant to go to the doctor. You know, I've talked to patients who uh, say, uh, I, you know, I have this, I have that, uh, but I'm afraid to go to see my doctor uh, because, uh, you know, I'm concerned. My doctor practices in a hospital. That's a hotbed of uh, COVID-19. What about eye checkups? How frequently should people have eye checkups? And can they safely defer eye checkups, let's say, until they think the second wave has uh, dissipated uh, this fall? Yeah, so, I mean, that has been an issue for many people who do need more urgent care. For example, people with macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy, for example, who need to get their treatments, either their injections or their lasers. Um, you know, I think most of my colleagues who are retina specialists who do those treatments, they have been seeing patients very cautiously because, you know, if patients don't get their treatments, then there is a chance that they could lose vision permanently. But for the majority of people, for example, if you're just going in for a glasses check or check up on your dry eye or cataracts or so forth, um, telemedicine is usually... Um, uh, kind of the fallback option. Of course, it's not ideal because your doctor can't directly examine you. Um, you know, there are some tools or apps that have been developed to check glasses, mm-hmm. you know, virtually, yeah. for example. I don't quite know yet how reliable they are in terms that would of be the That would be the killer app. You know, you just look into the screen and, and the, some, the app takes some readings and, you know, enables the uh, ophthalmologist to uh, look inside your eye, you know, maybe prescribe some drops you can put in your eye to dilate your... That would be awesome if you could do it all at home. It would be. And, you know, I think eventually we will have something like that, but our technology is not there yet. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what pans out. But I think now that, you know, most offices, at least ophthalmology offices, are open to some, uh, you know, some extent, um, Hopefully we can, we, we all have a backlog of, backlog of patients, so we're all trying to get our patients in and get their eye exams taken care of or their surgeries taken care of. So hopefully for most of, of your listeners in most states, um, they will have, you know, access again to their eye care provider. Um, I hear you're working on a book. Tell us about that. Yes. So this is a work in progress. Um, so my book is called The Macular Degeneration Prevention Protocol. And um, the reason I decided to write this book is because, you know, we all know that there are great treatments out there for macular degeneration once it affects someone's vision. So once it's gotten to the advanced stage and people have actually had vision loss, there are some amazing uh, te- you know, treatments, technology, and so forth that have, has, has uh, probably in the last 20 years or so that's been developed that has really uh, been breakthroughs. But in terms of prevention, there really is not that much out there. You know, we all know the basics, for example, eat leafy greens, stop smoking, uh, exercise regularly, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, decrease your, your, um, risk of, uh, obesity and, and, and your waist circumference. You know, these are the main things that most of us know. But what I decided to do in my book is I tried to use a lot of integrative principles and I've done the research behind the principles that have been looked at for macular degeneration and I've compiled them all into my book in terms of which specific foods have the most nutritional value for macular degeneration. So I'd mentioned earlier that lutein and zeaxanthin are very important pigments. Well, which foods can you get these from and how often should you be eating them or how much should you be eating? And then also the other um, really important nutrients for macular prevention of macular degeneration, which include antioxidants. So, you know, we've all heard of vitamin C and E and A. These are wonderful antioxidants, but also there are other antioxidants like glutathione and alpha-lipoic acid. 
Um, and then there are other, um, you know, other important minerals, for example, like magnesium and, um, and, uh, molybdenum. I'm sorry, I get, <laughs> it's a tongue twister there. Yeah. But, but these are also, and selenium, these are also very important in the fight against macular degeneration and botanicals. So in my book, I go through, you know, all the nutritional ways to try to prevent macular degeneration. And then also the lifestyle factors, which many mm-hmm. people may not be as familiar with. So, Exercise, you know, there are some studies looking at exercise. So I go through, okay, how much exercise? Which, what, what are some great options? How often? How many times a week? Uh, for how long? What's the duration that's best? And then other things that, again, people may not be as aware of. For example, uh, styles of eating like intermittent fasting. I talk about infrared sauna. Um, I talk about um, caffeine use and sleep and stress. So there are so many things that come into macular degeneration. It truly is a disease which may have a genetic basis. There are over 50 mm-hmm. genes identified yes. with macular degeneration, but the epigenetic factors play the biggest role. So just because you may have done a genetic test, for example, maybe perhaps you've done 23andMe and it's told you that you have a gene for macular degeneration, it is not a, no, it doesn't know, a seal your guarantee yeah. Yeah. exactly that you will get the condition. There are things you can do proactively mm-hmm. to prevent against it. So for example, if you maybe have a family member who has it and they've lost vision or perhaps you've been diagnosed with an early stage of macular degeneration, not the advanced stage, but an early stage. This is really for whom I wrote the book is to, to let people know about the research that's been out there that can really help, um, you know, help them in their daily lives uh, just to do everything possible to protect their vision. Well, we'll very much look that forward to that book. As well, yeah, I hope that my colleagues as well will find this useful because a lot of this information and these recommendations are out there, but unfortunately doctors just don't have the time to relay all this information to their patients. So perhaps it can serve as a resource for my patients as well as colleagues in terms of where can you turn to get this information. Well, I must commend uh, your field of medicine, ophthalmology, because uh, you, among all the specialties, uh, have been some of the first to embrace uh, nutritional strategies to help patients with uh, specific problems. And it makes sense. I wish we would see uh, uh, some of that uh, in other fields like uh, rheumatology and uh, cardiology uh, and so on. I've been more reluctant to sign on to, you know, the obvious research that points to the benefits of certain supplements for these conditions. So kudos to yeah. you. And- Thank you. And, and actually, this all stems from my personal health journey. Um, you know, if I didn't have, so I, I suffer from chronic migraines, and I tried many medications out there, nothing was working. And, you know, I had migraine for two years. And it wasn't until I made some key nutritional changes and lifestyle changes that I finally started to get better. When I realized the tremendous impact of nutrition and supplementation and lifestyle and my own health, I decided to really make this part of my mission going forward is to educate my patients about the, you know, what they need to do that they have control over to help get better and, and be well, you know, long term and lead by, you know, healthy, you know, lives full of vitality. So. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals combines the four most powerful of these plant-based foods, black garlic, 
black radish root, black peppercorn, and black cumin seed. It's an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possibly inflammatory issues. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, circulation, and immunity. It's a delicious tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's my future. P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. And while supplies last, buy two bottles of Black for Health and get two bottles of Wild Oil of Oregano free. That's a $55 value just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource uh, with guests like today's guest, Dr. Rudrani Bannock. We'll get back to her. Uh, you also, you know, uh, amidst your busy schedule, uh, you also devote some time to research. Uh, so tell us about your work on a condition called ION using mastic gum. Is that uh, work continuing? It is. So uh, so there are a couple of clinical trials that I was working on with uh, ischemic optic neuropathy, which is AION, uh, which you were alluding to. And um, so one of the agents we're using is a botanical product. Uh, called uh, Mastica, which is mastic gum. And it's been used uh, in medical circles for mainly GI issues. And Dr. Hoffman, you probably know more about yeah, this than I do. Yeah, helicobacter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, ulcers. For mm-hmm. uh, H. pylori or for constipation, I mean, um, uh, irritable bowel and, and many other GI mm-hmm. issues. But, uh, but researchers in Israel found that this uh, uh, extract of mastic uh, may potentially help regenerate nerves, particularly the optic nerve. So uh, there was a small pilot study done in Israel on 20 patients with ischemic optic neuropathy, some of whom got the, the study drug and some of whom got placebo. And what they found was that the people who got the study drug actually ended up having improvement in their vision. So I am involved in the second part of the study, which is um, uh, in the U.S. as well as um, some other countries, looking at uh, a larger group of patients to see if the same uh, agent in an oral form, uh, so not as a gum form, sorry, in a, in a subcutaneous form. So the previous forms uh, on the market are oral forms. So this is a subcutaneous mm-hmm. form uh, given um, injection, given twice a week, may help to uh, regenerate the optic nerve. So we uh, we have two cohorts for this study. The first cohort um, has completed recruitment, and we're about to start the second cohort recruiting in July Mm-hmm. Uh, or as soon as it is safe, you know, given the current pan- pandemic to bring research patients back in. But, uh, but I'm looking, really looking forward to this because this gives patients hope that really didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And we've all been taught in medical school that, um, you know, certain nerves just don't have the capacity to regenerate, particularly mm-hmm. the brain or spinal cord. Once they're injured, they cannot regenerate. But now we're finding out that that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are ways to regenerate nerves in the central nervous system and the optic nerve is a direct extension of the brain so it is an extension of the central nervous system and if we are able to regenerate the optic nerve mm-hmm. using a botanical agent i mean there's tremendous i mean the windows of of uh, you know of opportunity open up significantly for brain issue you know brain right. trauma for example stroke, uh, even spinal yeah. cord stroke yeah. spinal cord injuries so i think this will hopefully be you know the tip of the iceberg in terms of really uh, it's amazing that it happens to be the botanical agent, but using something natural to, uh, you know, help regenerate the body's central nervous system. 
Yeah, that, that is exciting. And for, for a listening audience, uh, this condition, relatively uncommon, but not exactly rare. And it's a devastating condition because you can, you know, one day have perfectly good vision and all of a sudden, you know, lights out and you have a devastating uh, uh, injury to your optic nerve, uh, which results in a diminution of, of vision or complete blindness. And right now, what are the treatments? Steroids? I mean, that kind of the end all and be all. Right? Unfortunately, even steroids have, you know, limited effectiveness. Sure. Um, there yeah. really has not been any significant studies to show true benefit. Yeah. Uh, I know, mean, they just, they just, controversial. They really just we have throw, no throw that at the, at the condition in hopes that Yeah, we feel something. like that we have to do something. And, you know, steroids are, are, are an easy intervention, but not necessarily useful. And, of course, steroids can have side effects. So, um, you know, we've been... We, we research, you know, as, as a neuro-ophthalmology community, many things have been researched before. Many different types of medications, even surgery, has been tried for this type of ischemic stroke to the optic nerve. Nothing has been proven, proven effective. So, uh, you know, we're very hopeful that we will come, you know, have some scientific data to back uh, a treatment very soon. Well, we anxiously await uh, the results of that uh, research because it could really be transformative for some people suffering from this condition. That would really be exciting. Yes. Yeah, and uh, there are some other studies I'm working on, yep. very, very interesting studies. Um, I'm actually doing a gene therapy study for an, uh, a genetic uh, optic nerve condition called labor hereditary optic neuropathy, mm-hmm. where um, the patient has a genetic variation. Um, and it's a mitochondrial disease, loss. isn't it? It is, yes. It's a yeah. mitochondrial disease, which means that it gets passed along the Maternal line. Mm-hmm. So basically, a mother will pass along the gene to all of her offspring, and fathers cannot pass it along. Mm-hmm. And it can cause LHON, this labor hereditary optic neuropathy, can cause really devastating central vision loss. And it tends to happen to young males. It really has a predilection for young males, usually between the ages of 15 to, let's say, 35 or so. Mm-hmm. It can happen to younger people, even older individuals, but uh, mainly men and in that age group. And Again, to this, you know, to date, there really has been no proven effective therapy. Uh, there is another agent that I've used in another clinical trial called adebinone, which is also a natural, well, it's, an, it's a variant of a natural agent. It's a variant of, of coenzyme Q10, mm-hmm. which many people are familiar with coenzyme Q10 for cardiac you know, health and, and muscle health and so forth. But um, adebinone is a synthetic, synthetic variant of coenzyme Q10. And uh, it may help with LHON, but gene therapy is uh, actually getting to the root cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the way we do this is we actually inject the correct variant of the gene into the patient's eye. Mm. And uh, it may sound quite scary, but it's actually a, co- a common type of procedure that's done where there's an eye injection. And the correct gene is, is introduced and the ho- body uh, hopefully will integrate that gene into the back of the eye, into the retina, mm. and help you know, help the retina recover its function. So, uh, you know, it's a very, it's really cutting edge research and I'm very excited to, you know, see what the results will show because this will just open the door to many other conditions which may be amenable to gene therapy treatment or perhaps later on down the road even stem cell treatment. So, Mm -hmm. uh, really exciting, exciting uh, times now in ophthalmology, particularly in neuro-ophthalmology. You, you bring up an interesting issue is that, you know, uh, I, there are a lot of people with devastating uh, conditions, uh, sometimes uh, eye conditions, uh, conditions that uh, cause blindness or threaten blindness, and stem cells 
uh, are there. They're there as, a, as an option. You can go to a foreign country or you can go to certain clinics uh, in the U.S. Uh, that will harvest your stem cells from your bone marrow. Uh, and then, uh, or, uh, in some cases from your subcutaneous fat, you know, spin it down into tube and then they, you know, give you an infusion of stem cells. Uh, is that ready for prime time with conditions like, um, macular degeneration or other forms of, uh, uh, progressive blindness? Yeah, so I'm really glad you brought this up because I know people, many people ask about stem cell therapy for vision loss. And I actually have a section in my book where I talk about this. So, so, um, you know, you described it perfectly. Stem cells are harvested usually from adipose tissue or fat tissue, sometimes from bone marrow and injected either into the eye itself or around the eye socket or sometimes even given intravenously. And, um, you know, I think it's really too early to know, uh, you know, the, what, what exactly the potential benefits are of stem cells, but I can tell you that there have been reports of non-FDA approved, uh, centers or research centers in the U.S. even, uh, particularly there's one in Florida that I'm thinking of where mm-hmm. patients with macular degeneration, patients who had significant vision loss from macular degeneration were given stem cells into both eyes. So they had stem cell injections bilaterally and they ended up being completely blind. Yeah. So a devastating, devastating uh, side effect or consequence that's, that's, of That's way know, past the precautionary uh, principle because, you know, it'd be one thing to do it on one side, you know, in hopes that you could demonstrate some benefit and then go to the next side, but oh boy. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but there are centers that are doing, um, you know, uh, clinical research, which mm-hmm. is, uh, registered under clinicaltrials.gov mm-hmm. and you know you know for example UC Davis I know is doing a study using stem cells for uh, retinal artery stroke so a little mm-hmm. different than the eye stroke we were talking mm-hmm. about before but you know so there are definitely um, centers that are doing these research studies so if anyone is you know seeking out stem cells first of all I would say go to clinicaltrials.gov make sure that it's a registered study that it's mm-hmm. being monitored and regulated by an IRB and data safety monitoring committee and also, make sure that you just discuss it with your eye doctor before you choose to do that because they will give you insight into whether your particular condition may be amenable to stem cells or not and what the risks and benefits are. Because, of course, you know, our vision is precious. We want to preserve it and restore it if, if it's lost in any way we can. But you also don't want to do something that will jeopardize your vision permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's very well said. And, you know, I think that really sort of epitomizes uh, your approach, which I admire very much, which is a great deal of openness towards uh, innovative, uh, natural, uh, sometimes unconventional practices, uh, but also uh, with a very, very strong grounding in uh, the science uh, and in, you know, your, your great training in, con- in conventional ophthalmology. So congratulations to you for maintaining a balance, uh, and uh, we look very much forward to your uh, new book, The Macular Degeneration Prevention Protocol. Do I have it right? That is correct, yes. And okay. and uh, if anyone you know would like to pre-order, please, you can visit my website and um, and put in your, your information, and uh, we will keep you on the list. I'll let you know when it's available. Rudrani Bannick, so MD, Hoffman. is the website. Rudrani, B-A-N-I-K, correct? Okay. Well, yes. thanks very and much thank for joining you. us. Really uh, enjoyed talking to you. And uh, all the best to you. We'll have you back on when your book comes out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Hoffman. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. 
As you know, this is a vital time to bolster our immune defenses. I've received countless requests for a specific list of supplements that I recommend to support immune health. That's why I've created the Intelligent Medicine Immune Support Protocol, my supplement recommendations offering the greatest boost for your immune system when it's needed most. Best medicine is preventive medicine. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com for more information. drhoffmanstore.com In addition to the immune support protocol, you'll find easy-to-follow links for our supplement starter kit, heart health protocol, and much more. These protocols are an easy way for you to get the exact combination of targeted supplements you need to help you follow the intelligent medicine lifestyle. The same supplements I take for myself and prescribe for my patients. And for a limited time, you'll get free priority shipping on all of your store orders. For more details, just go to drhoffmanstore.com. That's drhoffmanstore.com. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.